<laughs> well, welcome to another episode of On the Come Up. Today we have an amazing guest. Hello. <laughs> Her name is Gabby. Hi. <laughs> First of all, thank you for bringing us boba tea today. Yeah, no problem. This is this slaps, by the way. It's really good. Right? Support Chinatown, guys. Wait, where'd you get it from? It's called Chunyang. Chunyang. Okay. I haven't. It's. I don't think it's a chain place. It probably is, but like I haven't seen it anywhere else aside from like Chinatown. So. Ooh. Nice, nice, nice. So before you came, were you in Chinatown earlier? Yeah, yeah. And what were you doing in Chinatown? I was eating jing, or I was eating dim sum. Eating <laughs> dim sum. I was uh, <laughs> so I had a meeting with um, a friend, or not really a friend. So someone cold emailed me uh, with some questions about like a Welcome to Chinatown's like grant program, and he wanted to grab some lunch and talk about it. And be- and before you go too far or too yeah. deep into it, what is or what is Welcome to Chinatown? Yeah, so Welcome to Chinatown is a grassroots uh, nonprofit initiative uh, that was started for Manhattan Chinatown back in the beginning of the pandemic around March of 2020 uh, just to support small businesses after decline of business uh, because of racism, COVID-19, xenophobia, the whole nine yards. Um, It was started by two uh, community members or like people who live in the community. Mm And we just want to support small businesses, uplift community voices, and make sure like Chinatown's like heard, you know. How, so how did you kind of get involved with this organization? <laughs> yeah, um, so the two co-founders of Welcome to Chinatown, they're actually Katie Five sisters. Hey, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, and a lot of the other uh, head volunteers are also Katie Five sisters. Uh, so I found out about it through one of my alumni sisters. She posted on her Instagram story during the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were looking for some volunteers and they wanted some help. Uh, I really, I looked them up really quickly and I really resonated with the whole mission and the whole purpose of it. And I was like, hey, like, I have a nonprofit background. I'd love to volunteer and see how I can help out with this. And it's honestly evolved to what it is today. So it's been a little bit over a year then, right? Mm-hmm. Since uh, March when it <coughs> was first created. Mm-hmm. What kind of like volunteer works do you guys kind of do on a daily basis or do you, host events every week or how does that what events do you guys kind of do um yeah so uh, different projects so honestly welcome to chinatown has evolved so much uh since we first started so when we first started what the co-founders envisioned welcome to chinatown to be was uh, a gift card program right because during the beginning of march of 2020 um New York City was on pause. Everything was shut down. Mm -hmm. Delivery only, right? Delivery takeout only, right? So they wanted to make a gift card program where people can buy gift cards from these small businesses and they can use them at a later time. But these gift cards would be able to sustain them for the time being. However, what they soon realized was that, you know, the community itself, when you think about Chinatown, it's traditionally cash only. And there's a lot of cash only businesses. And also it's... um, like immigrant owned and typically these immigrants don't really know how to use technology, right? So having them use like a whole different POS system to process like a non-cash transaction was kind of asking them to do something that was completely out of their scope. So they soon realized that not viable. So we switched over to a meal delivery program where we had people donate uh, money into a GoFundMe And we took those funds and we ordered mass catering from businesses in Chinatown. And we took that mass catering um, and we delivered it to hospitals and uh, frontline healthcare workers at the time. Because, uh, you know, like during peak COVID, you know, New York City was going wild. Mm -hmm. Hospital workers really needed it at the time. 
um, after we, New York City started to slowly reopen during June of 2020, um, that whole meal delivery program, we realized was not really sustainable because you can't really continue ordering mass catering from like these businesses forever yeah. because they become reliant on it, right? That's their only source of income. Mm-hmm. You kind of, it's kind of like that one, I think it's called a proverb, right? Uh, where you like teach a farmer how to fish. Yeah. A, you will like uh, feed it. Or, like forever or something, Yeah, feed right? it forever, right? <laughs> and if you like just give it fish, that's all it knows how to do. Yeah. So we really wanted a more sustainable program where we could give these businesses the funds, the resources to be able to last on their own mm-hmm. post-pandemic. So then how long were you guys ordering mass catering from, from these restaurants? Because I feel like that it, it isn't sustainable because mm-hmm. it can last. It, that, that's something that only happens like what, like maybe like once or twice a week. And then you have to like pick different restaurants and like rotate through all the restaurants. Mm-hmm. So then how long did that go for? And then what are you segueing into now? Yeah, so I lasted, I want to say from like, I want to say like March-ish, like end of March until uh, restaurants started to open again. I want to, what is that, like June? In the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. beginning of summer. Um, and then we had to sunset that program uh, just because it wasn't viable anymore. Also, COVID cases were going down by a lot. So hospitals didn't really need that help anymore and didn't really need that food because, you know, COVID cases were going down. So not many hospital care workers were working. Um, and right now, so we wanted like a more sustainable program, right? Which is why we created the Longevity Fund, the fund that I, uh, the small business grant program that I currently work on. Um, and basically, we give small business grants to these businesses to help alleviate any type of overhead costs or to help support with any type of business improvements that they might want, mm-hmm. but they don't have the funds or the capacity to be able to afford. So this fund, like, it covers, like, maybe rent, some, like, yes. employee, you know, pay wages, mm-hmm. yes. stuff like that, insurance, yeah, and then yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it covers anything from, like, rent, utilities, you know, money to buy PPE for. Mm-hmm. Um, it could even be for, like, if you want to, you know, build an outdoor dining build because that's actually really expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are, like, extensions of a restaurant. Yeah. When we're talking about these, like, businesses that are failing, right, mm-hmm. and they're not doing well… What was like the biggest cause for that? And how did people start to notice that? Like evidently, like there's a mm-hmm. lot of like, like that stop Asian hate going around. Like yeah. the, all of the um, like social initiatives too. Like they're now, like now they're, especially now, it's mm-hmm. been like a year since the pandemic started mm-hmm. and it's always been an issue. Mm-hmm. So is, how, how is um, Welcome to Chinatown helping on that front? And then how else are they helping restaurants now too? Yeah, so I mean, there are a lot of different reasons why they're not really doing that well. And a lot of it wasn't just because of racism and xenophobia. It's how the biz- how the Chinatown businesses have traditionally run their businesses itself. No, I remember like during the pandemic, like March, April, right? When mm-hmm. you went to Chinatown, it was like completely ghost town. And then you yeah. try to find places that are open. And unfortunately, because of like overhead costs, they can't, yeah. they can't stay open for yeah. more than like until like I think like 5 p.m. Yeah, exactly. Sucks. Because like you can't pay like your, your labor. Right. Um, so it's not sustainable because… Nobody wanted to go there. There was a lot of xenophobia going around. And it was just like avoiding, you know, the whole Chinatown area. Um, Honestly, Chinatown saw a decline in business even before the pandemic started. Like what we had our first case in like March or something. Um, We saw declines in business even during um, Chinese New Year's, which was in February. And we saw those declines because we knew about COVID beginning in December. 
of 2019. That's when it started in China. Mm-hmm. And we heard about it in the news. And that's when all the racist rhetoric started, mm-hmm. you know. And then it, it grew and grew and grew. And then it hit New York City and then everything shut down. So with all that kind of like racist rhetoric and kind of like, again, kind of Gio mentioned the Asian hate that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. How has kind of like Welcome to Chinatown kind of, kind of like, not that shadow everything, but kind of like come out and like be kind of like the spearhead of fighting that Asian hate? Mm-hmm. I think we really are trying to be amplify the voices of Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like traditionally, a lot of Asian people, there's a traditional like um, a phrase that even my parents told me a lot when I was growing up. It's called um, eat bitter. Mm, you know, whenever something, yeah, whenever something bad happens to you, or if you're receiving, if you're being bullied in school, right? Just sick food. Just take it. Yeah, you know, just, just like whatever. Just take suck it, it up. Suck, and, suck, exactly. Yeah. Eat the bitter, like yeah. sick food, right? That's in Cantonese. Yeah. Or um, what is it? You just cool. I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. you just you just take it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of the times, uh, like when the racist rhetoric started, you know, a lot of the older community, they you they just took it. Because they just ate bitter. Yeah. But I think well, with, with Welcome to Chinatown, we're mostly mo- like millennials and with gen- like millennials, Gen Z. And we're really here. We're like at the generation where we say, no, we're not going to eat bitter anymore. We're going to say something. We're going to be that voice. And we're going to stand up for you guys because this can't happen anymore. Because like we, like I'm not, I didn't grow up here. But like I feel like as a younger generation, we're a lot more vocal, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know that we want to say something. And we want to speak for the people that didn't speak mm-hmm. or they don't want to. Like, why do you think a lot of the elders mm-hmm. in, in the Asian community especially, like, they don't want to speak up? Is it because of, like, that traditional, like, just eat bitter? Because I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a diff- I'm, I think I'm, a, yeah, I'm Southeast Asian, so maybe that's something that's <laughs> from the East Asian. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a different, like, cultural norm, I guess, that mm-hmm. I'm not used to. So then why do you think that, like, elder people, especially maybe in the East Asian cultures, like, they're a lot less vocal with things like this especially i mean to be honest like racist rhetoric has been especially against like asians has been around for like ages you know even during like the 1950s 1960s right against like the black civil rights movements Mm -hmm. you also had you know like the chinese exclusion act Mm -hmm. and you know everything happening you know it's not the first time that asians have been discriminated against so it's kind of one of those things where elders like they don't really understand English they don't really speak English um so they're kind of like shy to speak up about it or they're shy to use their English skills Mm -hmm. to speak up about it um it's also like the fact of you know when they first came here when they first immigrated here when you immigrate to like a new country you have so much like overwhelmed stress you have to learn a new language you have to learn new culture new everything right so when you do all those things um you know they kind of were taught to just keep their head low, just push through all the pain, and you will fight for the American dream. So that's why they never really bothered for it, like in the past. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you. Like with my parents, they came when I think my dad came when he was like in eighth grade, and my mom came when she was a high schooler. Mm-hmm. And again, similar situation where with yeah. you, where like they came here, they were here to look for a better life. Exactly. You know? um, the American dream, like you said, and. For them, like you said, they just kept their head down, worked, 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 start their own business because no mm-hmm. one's going to hire them at that time. Exactly. So you had to start from the ground up and start your own business. You have to suck it up and you, you, you can't complain. Exactly. Yeah. Like you had to find a job. You had to find something. Yeah. And you basically they couldn't bite the hand that were, was feeding them. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that's why, that's low-key why the model minority myth was born as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when, when we talk about all these, like, because we have to fight, like, it's, it's like almost like you're fighting a whole systemic issue right now, right? Mm -hmm. And a part of fighting that systemic issue is the initiatives with Welcome to Chinatown, right? Because you want to help these businesses kind of modernize. Like, they're not modernized because a lot of it's cash only, like we mentioned earlier. So then, like, what has, what initiatives have you guys done to, like, help like kind of like modernize the restaurants and like help them learn like this is like a better way to run your business like are you guys doing that too yes and no so one of the things that i really love about welcome to chinatown and really caught my eye was one of our mottos is we're not saviors we're here to listen and we're trying to support you the best way we can and we'll give you the resources so that you can thrive the best way that you can we're not trying to change the way that you traditionally do something so we don't want to come in and gentrify something you know, we want to support them. So coming in and saying like, oh, you have to modernize your business just to survive isn't something that we want to do. Um, but I feel like sometimes if you do that, that might push them away, right? Because yes. They don't want, yes. Sometimes they don't want to try something new. Like same yeah. with my grandpa, like you give something like a new iPad back then. And he's like, yes. no, I don't want it. I just want an MP3 for it or yes. a CD for it. Like yes. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I see what you do. Yeah. And yeah. it was like a trust thing too, you know, even with like, you know, immigrant, even Asian, East Asian, when they first came here, I feel like, you know, they keep their head down and everything, but they're also very distrustful of government help, of any type of outside help. And especially with like a new organization like us coming in, you know, a lot of the things that we faced was like, who, who the heck are these people? Right. Why are they, what are they doing? Are they trying to scam us? Yeah, like what are your intentions? Yeah, they don't know. Are, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> they're very skeptical about it. So you have to be very, you have to tread lightly and you have to win over their trust first. So with that kind of being said, like people haven't really heard you guys that much beforehand, right? Back in March, mm -hmm. how did you guys slowly build that trust and kind of like step by step, kind of mm -hmm. you know help them, or did you? How did you guys gain that trust? Yeah. So, well, it really helped because our two co-founders are Chinatown residents, uh -huh. uh, so they're like friends with their landlords. Um, so there was already like some uh, community presence there, and they understood the community because they themselves are community residents. Mm -hmm. Um, but initially starting out with like the meal delivery program, it was honestly whoever agreed and whoever could trust us, you know. And then after like one or two times, like rounds of meal deliveries, you know, other businesses saw and they were like, oh, so these other businesses gave them, trusted them. Mm -hmm. And we can see, oh, they didn't do anything bad. They're reputable. And so we started slowly gaining trust that way. When uh, our like, when people saw the results of our programming, and they were like, "Okay, they're not bad people." Yeah. And then we slowly started growing and growing and growing until you know word of mouth in the community, "Oh, welcome to Chinatown's not bad. Like you can trust them. They're they're good people." Mm -hmm. And then um, after that, like I feel like we built up such a big community presence that even the city of New York started to recognize us as well. And then now we're talking with the city of New York and, you know, um, like getting involved there and with like community coalitions. So really building that community presence slowly over time, just through word of mouth and trust. So then when you did that, who noticed you guys first? So how did you know that you were getting noticed? What was like your the first signal? Aha moment, I guess. Yeah. Oh, with like the city or like publicly? Like how? Let's, let's start with the Chinatown community first and how that grew within just Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And you can also touch on New York later. Yeah. So first, like, 
I guess more businesses decided were saying yes to us. Um, that was like a first sign, like, oh, okay, like they're trusting us. Mm-hmm. Like more businesses, we were getting turned away less. And that was good. Um, and then suddenly we got, you know, a lot of recognition from big name celebrities. Like Aquafina recognized us. And then Asa Akira <laughs> recognized us. Um, you know, a lot of these like big name celebrities started promoting us and was like, oh, like go support Chinatown, uh, donate to Welcome to Chinatown and stuff like that. And then um, we got recognized by the city. I'm not sure. I forget how. But I think we won like a city award or something like that. I, I forget. So you won something. And it was, yeah. you were like, because you've also been on the news for this too. And you've been doing a lot of media stuff too. Oh, yeah. Right? Because <laughs> um, I know, I, what article was it that you were featured in? Um, I think it's called Documented mm-hmm. is the news article. But uh, it's, it was a really like weird article i'm like really shy about like my media coverage but i just i honestly the article itself was great it basically talks about like my connection with welcome to chinatown why i decided to help volunteer how i decide uh how the longevity fund like came to fruition and um honestly like yeah so it was a great article but all i can think about is like there's a photo of myself on the article and I just have a stain on my shirt. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember you told me about that. Yeah. I was just like, ah, oh, that's all I can think about. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're, but you're still like spreading the word about like what, what, mm-hmm. what welcome to Chinatown is and how it's coming and how it's like growing. Right. So in terms of like growth on where it is, where it came from, where it is now, mm-hmm. how have you measured that growth? Um, like, is it like there's a lot of money in the longevity fund now? You have more connections with like the, the restaurants and yeah, like a lot of different things. You know, I have a lot. I've I've built a rep like a repertoire with um like these business owners. Like they know who I am. Mm-hmm. I know who they are. I've I know them. I know their story. Um, what they need help with. Um, I what else like. Not only that, but like you can also measure it numerically. You know, the amount of Instagram followers you have, uh, amount of TikTok followers you have. Um, you can measure it through the amount of funds that you are raising. Who is giving you funds? Um, those are all numerical numbers, but also just like the relationships that you build with, you know, New York City, uh, with Small Business Association, you know, with all these very pivotal other like solidified organizations that already were there mm-hmm. and now they recognize you as like one of their own. So when you were like kind of getting to know these different stores, restaurants, grocery stores mm-hmm. in Chinatown, do you guys kind of like share their story on like social media or do you guys kind of just kind of word of mouth to tell people about these people's story? Because I know you said you kind of know a lot of these restaurant owners mm-hmm. and these um, owners, yeah, their stories. So- we do a thing called business spotlights. Mm. So one of the issues why it was so hard to um, like the reason one of the many reasons why like Chinatown businesses were struggling um, during the pandemic is you know a lot of these businesses are immigrant owned. Um, they don't really have a big social media presence. Their digital footprint is non-existent. Probably, exactly. Yeah. So one of the things that we like to do since we have such a big social media presence is to help amplify these businesses who don't know how to use social media or might not have social media for whatever reason. So we, we tell their stories through our business spotlights, uh, Longevity Fund business spotlights. So a lot of our grantees uh, will interview them, like their story, where they came from and stuff like that. And we'll put it on our, our, our Instagram. And usually after that, they get a lot of like foot traffic and they got a lot of recognition 
that they didn't have before because they're not on Yelp. They're not on Google. Yeah, that's know? one thing I realized. Like when I'm going through Chinatown, like I'm trying to find a restaurant or like mm-hmm. a nice, you know, mom and pop shop. Yeah. And all these Chinatown, like Chinatown restaurants, they don't have that many reviews on Yelp. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like I want to really know like how are these food, you yeah. know. And luckily, again, like you guys, a lot of YouTubers are starting to make reviews on these restaurants, mm-hmm. and that's how they're bringing more attention to yes. people or these restaurants in China, which is really good. Yeah, it's it's partly like lack of reviews, and I also think there's a lot of toxic reviews. Mm. Uh, toxic review culture is also really bad too. Yeah. And one of the things that Welcome Chinatown did to try to combat both of those mm-hmm. was we created our own Chinatown small business directory. So think of like Yelp without the reviews, but we try to. Um, Amplify, or we try to like um, encourage business owners to make suggestions too. So if you go on like our website and look up the small business directory, so all they do is ha- they have recommended dishes. Mm-hmm. We sort all the businesses into different categories uh, in terms of like beverage, what type of Asian food, what are you looking for, and stuff like that. And I-, I thought that was super helpful because you know a lot of the times, not just like the lack of reviews, but sometimes you'll go to a restaurant, right, and Sometimes you know there's like Karens, and they leave like literally like um, like reviews just because maybe there was a cultural barrier mm-hmm. with the service and everything, or like they were a little snappy or something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, so we try to just eliminate that through the small business directory. So where is that, and how do we find it? It's on our website. Welcome okay. to Chinatown dot com. Is there, an, uh, is there an app for it, or is it just on the director uh, on the website? So it's on the website. It's an app. Embedded into the website. Ah, okay. And so, what else is on the Welcome to Chinatown website that will that you think is really helpful for people to know about? Uh, I use the directory a lot. Actually, <laughs> I think it's better than Yelp, honestly, because there's a lot of businesses that aren't on Yelp on mm-hmm. the directory. Um, there's also our merchandise store, which is really cool. Um, that's also another one of our programs that we currently run to help drive business back into Chinatown. So we'll partner with um, a few Chinatown businesses, uh, like. Name ones like Jingfang or like um, Big Wong, like not just name ones, but also any of them that really need our help. And we have a team of pro bono designers, and they will basically design merchandise for these businesses. Um, and we'll produce the merchandise, we'll ship the merchandise, and everything. And all the proceeds from the merchandise itself uh, will go back to the business. And so, out of all of those, which one's your like? What is your favorite initiative so far within? Welcome to Chinatown. Because you, it, there's so many facets to this whole, like, is it an NGO? Like, how would you classify this? Sorry. Uh, classify Welcome to Chinatown? Yeah, is it an NGO, like, nonprofit? Uh, it's definitely a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's it's a grassroots initiative. Okay. Usually with um, nonprofits, there's multiple programs. So we're, we're basically a nonprofit with multiple programs as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what project has been your favorite to work on so far? The Longevity Fund. <laughs> That's my project. <laughs> so is that the only one you work on? Yeah. So for Welcome to Chinatown, oh, I, I should have introduced this earlier. <laughs> but um, for Welcome to Chinatown, I'm their grants and outreach director. So I basically developed the Longevity Fund and now I run the Longevity Fund and I manage it, uh, talk to businesses and everything and whatnot. Is it just run by yourself or do you have like a, at least a team around you? Yeah. So it's mainly me and then I have um, one other volunteer who helps me out sometimes. So then this whole thing, this longevity fund, mm-hmm. can you break it down and then let us like, and break, break it down for us like how, how, how this is going to help in the future? Like what's your long-term plan with it? Like mm-hmm. can you, can you disclose that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so 
<laughs> so with the longevity fund, it, it started because we needed a long-term solution, something sustainable. That's hence the reason why we call it the longevity fund, mm-hmm. because we want businesses to have longevity, yep. you know, longevity noodles and stuff like that, basically breaking it down. Um, so it started because of that. And with the longevity fund, it's basically a small business uh, grant. So it started because businesses mainly had difficulty applying for the PPP loan. Um, I, I forget what the PPP stands for. It's like it's like pay paycheck protection program, I think. Personal pr- no, not no. So it's basically it was um it was a program that the government rolled out during the beginning of the pandemic to help out with small businesses and just to assist with any type of um like assistance because they were struggling. But the thing is, um, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the PPP loan is like high key broken because it's meant to help small businesses in need. But people like Kanye West were receiving this loan. Yo, big companies like also like Shake Shack got a bunch, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was struggling to get it. But yeah. these people, these companies were getting 20 million, 50 million. Like, what yes, the heck? exactly. And all that money went to these big corporations instead of the small businesses that actually needed it. Yeah. And a big part of the reason was because it was so difficult to apply to at first. They've since made it much easier, but it was so hard to apply for during the beginning of the pandemic when everyone needed it the most. Um, So like to put it into picture, like to paint a picture, right? A native English speaker like you and me would have difficulty applying to the PPP program uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. And if a native English speaker has difficulty applying to it already, how do you expect an immigrant like business owner who might not speak English or might have English as their second language or might be forcing their son or daughter to do it, <laughs> um, yep. you yeah. know, to apply and get this program, you know? Exactly. But and why why is it hard for even native English speakers to understand it? I honestly can't tell. Like, I haven't seen the application itself, but like a lot of you know english speaking small businesses couldn't even get it you know they had a lot of like little stipulations there was a lot of like red tape and it was just very difficult another big issue is um i mentioned that chinatown is cash only mm-hmm. so you guys know why it's cash only right yes yes <laughs> no uh, no <laughs> so well, we can of- assume why it's cash only we, yeah. we don't know exactly why but we can exactly assume. Yeah, yeah yeah so um a lot of these businesses are cash only, so their bookkeeping isn't necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. And with to apply for the PPP loan, you had to submit like your financials, your bookkeeping, and everything like that. So they probably ask for like your previous tax returns, yeah, yeah, all yeah. your accounting stuff. And your it's a paycheck losses. protection, right. right? So you, a lot of these businesses, they pay their like workers in cash and mm-hmm. stuff. So it was hard to submit the necessary proper like documents. necessary documents to receive that as well. Oh, because you were talking about how like there's a lot of red tape. Mm-hmm. So it's like probably like, oh, we don't have the proper document or we don't have it on file. Yeah, or they might not, you know, when, even with the longevity fund, um, you know, sometimes businesses, they'll email me and say like, oh, like we don't have this document that you're asking for. And it's like a financial statement, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, so like even like those, these little things mm-hmm. that… Most businesses that like use like let's say Square, like a big corporate Toast, company, yeah, yeah. They, they all usually have like these these documents like on file and ready. But a lot of small businesses, especially those that are cash only mm-hmm. and are run by immigrants, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. are also very like kind of not backward, but they're not as developed in that sense. So they can't even get 
the same treatment. Yeah. As other small businesses that are also more modernized, right? Exactly. And there's just a lot of disparities with applying for this program. You know, there were so many gaps and disparities that made it so difficult for a lot of small businesses to apply and even receive any type of governmental funding, Mm -hmm. which is why we created the Longevity Fund, because we wanted to bridge these gaps. We wanted to give these businesses the funding that they needed. Um, There was also another issue with New York City's Small Business Association. Um, I want to say it was definitely in 2021. It was earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But basically, they had an LMI storefront loan um, program going on. And basically, it was a loan program that they were giving out to Chinatown and other low-medium income areas. Um, However, they based it off of zip codes. And if you're aware of like Chinatown and Chinatown geography, uh, it's like composed of three main zip codes. Uh, There is 10013, 1002, I think. And then there's another one. I can't remember it from the top of my head. Chinatown's pretty big, like just under Canal Street and it stretches from the west side all the way to the Mm -hmm. east side too. Yeah, yeah. So So it, but the thing is like, it also shares a zip code with uh, wealthier neighborhoods like Tribeca and Soho. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> with the LMI storefront program, they actually eliminated one whole portion, one whole zip code that consisted of a large part of Chinatown because they, they shared the zip code with Tribeca and Soho. So a lot of the wealthier businesses in Tribeca and Soho disqualified this one zip code mm-hmm. and thus they couldn't apply for the program at all. Were you guys able to kind of bring awareness of that though? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To this, okay, that's good. Yeah, so that's also another reason why like we gained such recognition with the city mm-hmm. was we realized that this was an issue, you know? You're basically cutting out half of Chinatown because uh-huh. it shares a zip code with wealthier businesses when these Chinatown businesses are the ones that need it the most. So you can't really call it like equal or um, not fair, equal. I guess. Yeah, fair. It's not very equitable. There we go. I'm losing my voice, <laughs> losing my mind today. Equitable, so it's um, it's not very equitable for a lot of the businesses, you know. So that's we did like a call for action on it on our social media. We brought a lot of attention to it, mm-hmm. and we also had like a lot of did a call for action. Like, make sure you email like the commissioner, email these like officials, and you know, voice your concern that Chinatown needs to be represented. And then after a lot of people did that, you know, we started to gain recognition. So then, because you've gained that recognition, mm-hmm. how big has the Longevity Fund gotten? Longevity Fund? So, uh, we have two iterations of the Longevity Fund. So, oh my gosh. I feel like we're like going, uh, jumping. It's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had two iterations of the Longevity Fund. So, the first iteration of the Longevity Fund uh, was $5,000 grant loans. It, we had a goal of $200,000 for 40 small business grants. We completed that goal and then we exceeded it. We actually gave out... Uh, 45 small business loans for a total of 225000 And the $5,000 could be used for any type of overhead costs. could be for rent, labor, wages, PPE, whatchamacall, anything you want that helps your business, you know. We wanted to offset any costs so that business owners could really focus on COVID-19 recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, we soon realized that $5,000 was not enough. Yeah, it goes by like probably within a month or yeah. even less sometimes. yeah. That's the thing is like sometimes some of these businesses, depending on like the location and also the size of like um, like the business, you know, that's not even one month's rent. Do you guys mainly get these like, I know you said you guys were able to support 45 mm-hmm. uh, small businesses during that time. 
how did you guys did you guys mainly kind of rely on like your merchandises and like donations or what did the the fund kind of slowly get to that point of like 250,000 yeah so that was only um donations wow that's, yeah yeah so it was like it was a combination between like grassroots donations so like gofundme mm-hmm. and like other small donations things like that and we got like a few corporate grants that was the beginning of when we started to gain traction so we, a lot of um like that was when we started getting corporate grants as well. So for those corporate grants, do you have to you don't have to pay them back, right? Or how does that? Oh no! Okay. So it's kind of like um, say like Estee Lauder or uh-huh. like um, like big foundations. Mm-hmm. They they just grant it to you, uh-huh. similar to how we grant to these small, small businesses, businesses. We have bigger companies granting to us mm-hmm. to grant to small businesses. It's a funnel. It's a funnel. <laughs> um, and so. The, that's the first initiative you guys yeah, did. Yeah. What's the second one now? So we so we realized that it wasn't enough. So we wanted to revamp it. So now the Longevity Fund has been revamped and uh, it launched on May 1st, so very recently. And basically we have an as-per-request model that's on a monthly basis now. Um, and essentially businesses can just write in and do a request for a proposal. They'll write in, hey, we want $10,000 for an outdoor dining build. Um, because we are struggling to do an outdoor dining build, and because we don't have outdoor dining, it's really um, affecting the businesses. Affecting the businesses, we can't get customers this way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, they'll break down like the outdoor dining. Like they'll need this much of money for like the architecture, or like this much money for the materials and stuff like that. Um, they'll also submit like their financials, uh, just like a simple profit loss statement, and just that request and you can request it for however much money that you need uh, for two different categories. So we're focusing on business recovery and recuperation, which is um, basically rent, utilities, labor wages, uh, that like recovery, like basic things. Mm -hmm. And then you could also apply for business improvement or sustainability. So things like physical space improvement uh, for things like heating, cooling, uh, marketing, social media, if you want a new website, uh, menu design, anything to improve your business. And so you're outsourcing those. Um, so for example, if a business, say I'm a business, right? And I want to have, let's say 10K mm-hmm. to revamp my like socials. Mm-hmm. Do you guys help revamp those socials as Welcome to Chinatown? Or do they find like, do they just use that money to basically like get like a contract or something? So they can do either. Um, okay. So if possible, we can suggest uh, like cheaper services or see if we have like someone who can help them out for a cheaper rate. But if anything, they can also pay like they can contract it out to maybe like a marketing agency or something like that um, of their choosing. So it's basically whatever they want to do with the grant and however they requested it. Mm-hmm. And is there a limit on how much you can request? As of right now, no. Okay. So now you've gone from something that's like, okay, $5,000 flat mm-hmm. to something that's customizable. Yeah. And so you're allowing businesses to kind of mold that, like make their own mold. Yeah. And so how many, have you gotten like a lot of reception on this? Like how many people have been like asking? Like are there a lot of applications for this? Yeah, so we launched May 1st. So what is that like 15 days ago now? Like two yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's two weeks ago. We've gotten about like 15 applications. I think it's difficult because it takes some time for like uh, businesses to... Uh, gather all the requested documents, write their request for proposal and stuff like that. And then on top of that, there's also another program going on right now by the city, I think. It's called the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. So because our programs are running simultaneously, I think they're more focused on that one right now. 
are just like splitting time between mm-hmm. the two. So it's taking a little longer to get applications in. But also a lot of the businesses aren't on like technology, aren't on social media and everything. So one of the things we do for the longevity fund to make it equitable is we canvas. Mm. So we have volunteers who go door to door to door for every single business in Chinatown and pass out paper applications to the businesses to make sure that every business owner is aware of it in their native language. They can apply in traditional Chinese, simplified Chinese or English. They could do a paper application or they could do the online application just to make sure it's very equitable for everyone in Chinatown to access. Mm -hmm. So we've only had like 15, about like 15-ish digital applications, but we just did canvassing this weekend for paper applications. So you mentioned how you had this team kind of going out, canvassing, going door to door Mm -hmm. and making sure everyone's aware of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, some people aren't on technology, on Instagram all the time. Uh, Do you guys have like a team that kind of also filters it as well and kind of make sure it's like falling, com- I guess, essentially like compliance to make sure the money is actually going towards what they said they would. Because mm-hmm. again, some things like this, I feel like, I'm not saying everyone will, but some people might take advantage of it, right? Mm-hmm. Might use it to just pocket it for themselves and mm-hmm. kind of just buy other stuff. Because I've seen a lot of things online where people use their PPP and literally <laughs> buy Lavish's car, you know? Oh but I'm not gosh. saying like people… Oh, like stimulus checks. Exactly. Stimulus yeah, checks, yeah, yeah. you know? People would just take it for granted sometimes, you know? Do you guys have kind of like people who are kind of like screening everything and making sure they're kind of doing it the right way? Essentially? Yeah. So um, basically I screen all the applications mm-hmm. uh, for what they do. And then I also do like follow up reports with the businesses. Um, we have basically, it's a, basically on trust yeah. essentially. So we don't check in on all the businesses, but if we were to, they should be able to provide receipts of, you know, what uh, they spent the money on. That's true. It's yeah. like when you guys first started, you guys are slowly building that mm-hmm. trust, showing like results essentially, yeah. right? It's kind of like a two-way street. You have to kind of like trust them to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, essentially do what they're doing with the money. Yeah. Kind of not breaking that trust. Yeah. And I, I genuinely trust, I do trust these businesses because I feel like they really do need the funds right now. Yeah. They would use the funds accordingly to help out with the bills that they actually need to pay. Yeah, there's a lot that we just unpacked. Um, so, <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to like mention about Welcome to Chinatown? Like anything like you want to like bring to light besides the longevity fund? Um, I think that's it. Okay. I don't. Is there anything you want me to elaborate on? No, we like drilled you on yeah, it. Yeah, so well. we, <laughs> we wanted to know. We wanted to know. So that's why we were like, okay, let's keep going. So um, yeah, if you want to keep going, I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> no, I point. think it's good that she's bringing awareness about the struggles that people are kind of facing in Chinatown, and with you talking about Welcome to Chinatown, will definitely who kind of listen to our podcast, they'll probably tell their parents who may live in Chinatown and yes. hopefully that'll exactly. even spread even Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess that's more. the takeaway message. If you like know anyone or if you know like a business owner, if your mom, dad, uncle, who knows it, mm-hmm. is a business owner in Chinatown, Manhattan, Chinatown, be sure to tell them about our longevity fund. It recently launched. You can apply online. Uh, the link is on our website, welcometochinatown.com. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave their contact down somewhere yeah. yes, YouTube and yeah. Spotify we'll also leave Gabby's contact so someone can yeah. reach out to you directly yeah and just or if you even go visit Chinatown and you talk to a manager while you're there or your favorite Chinatown business encourage them to apply to the longevity fund wait I was gonna ask do you guys have like a small like I guess office or anything in Chinatown where people can stop by or is it just no we're all virtual virtual cool yeah, yeah. They're being safe. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. Hey, especially with COVID, you gotta stay safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and with that, do you have anything like else you want to add on? Because then we can wrap everything up. 
No, I think it's good. Okay. A fun and longevity fun. <laughs> nice. Yes. Thank you, Gabby. You're welcome. <laughs>